Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Wiz With podcast here with our first episode. My name is Matt Morella, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex Marmelstein. Alex, go ahead and say hi to the folks. How's it going? It's always good to, to be here with you. Uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, hopefully, we're going to get everything up and going here soon, that you guys can take everything online. Um, just going to get some, some takeaways early. Um, obviously, the Eagles being a... Uh, a big part of, of our life and it seems like uh, 53 guys every single week kind of make or break how we feel that Monday, that Tuesday afternoon, or, you know, that Monday, Monday morning blues, you're always thinking it could be better with an Eagles win. But unfortunately when they lose, it's not always, always the best, but uh, yeah, they fall to five and six after uh, losing 17 to nine against Seattle. Luckily this season is not over since Dallas lost to new England. So it kind of helps us out on the back end. If we have a tie, may have a possibility of getting a better record out of conference because that would become the tiebreaker if we ended up tying Dallas at the end of the year. Um, most likely going to come down to week 16. Um, a lot of question marks. We don't know how Carson is. We don't know what Doug's play calling is. How he, you know, did how he incorrectly put this team together. There's a lot of question marks we still have. It's tough to decipher, you know, can we still trust them? Can they – can they actually play against the Dolphins, who have one of the worst defenses in the NFL? So it's going to be tough. Uh, Alex, if you want to chime in a little bit, let me know your thoughts. Um, you know, oh, so what do you think? <laughs> Weeks like this make me very okay with the fact that I am bald because I would otherwise pull my hair out. <laughs> I think every it's... single Eagles fan at the game and watching TV probably thought like that, yes. Yes, and the way – it's not just – the fact that we lose these games that we should win. And I'm not saying that we should have won the Seahawks game by any means. I don't think really anyone really expected us to pull out the W, but it's just the fact that we lose on very fundamental errors. Carson Wentz was overthrowing receivers five yards away from him. He looked like Rick Vaughn trying to throw to the catcher. It was just terrible. <laughs> He did not look good, especially early on. I was, it didn't make sense to throw to Miles Sanders. I, honestly, it seemed like such an easy throw that, that almost anyone or any quarterback in the NFL can make. I mean, or any he, it listener can make. Was, <laughs> honestly, it's possible. I mean, he was not even close. I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt with some other passes. Yes, receiver should be in a better position. Yes, they should have him out a little bit. But that, I mean, that's a touchdown that, that you miss early on in the game. You get up early against Seattle on the road. Um, you never know what could happen. I, I know a lot of people right now are questioning Carson's abilities. You know, is, is he still injured? Is he ever going to recover from his injuries prior? Um, me personally, I still have faith in him. I don't know about you. What do you think about Carson? You still trust him? I, I still trust him. I, when you see a guy who is what two years away from an MVP caliber should have been the official MVP in my opinion, had he whole, not been hurt. Other, yes. Uh, <laughs> with Tom Brady in the league, probably fixing that, but yes, he should have been MVP. Go yes. Uh, and with all of that, you think, well, what really has changed between then and now? I think anything he's going through is a mental thing. He has this ability. He needs to channel it. 
he needs to go full Nick Foles, and I hate to make the comparison, but where he just channels his best when we need it most. That's what we need him to do these next few weeks moving forward. Sure, and it's almost like you want him to get back to the basics. Like you look at that Packers game, and after that week, he was the number one rated quarterback according to Pro Football Focus. So whatever Doug and, and Carson were doing to prepare for that game, I feel like they should try to get back to it. Yes, we had better players. Um, technically, this week, we you're good on the list. You probably had lost eight offensive players that are technically supposed to make an impact. It, you know, if you start with Brandon Brooks, who went out early, Lane Johnson didn't play, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Jordan Howard, um, Darren Sproles. I mean, just the list goes on and on with guys that he's missing. Um, honestly, how, how can he make plays and how can Doug draw plays with, with guys that honestly can't do it? Yeah, it, it's not easy for him. You think that all affects him mentally, though? You think you see Carson Wentz doesn't have these weapons around him. You think that's constantly in his head, or is he able to shake that out? Because I think a lot of those were mental errors, and I wonder if those two things are connected. I don't know if it's so much mental. I just think he has no faith in his receivers. Almost like they're in, even though they're in the position, it just seems like he's holding on the ball and pump faking way too much. Not cause in our lines not playing well. I mean, when you're missing your whole right side in, in Johnson and Brooks, he's just going to get blown up. So if he doesn't have much time to throw and he's not trusting receivers, he's just going to continue to probably get hit. Honestly, the fumbles have been an issue. Um, I don't know how many it is, but it, it's it's not good. I think it may be the second most in the NFL to Daniel Jones of the Giants. Uh, Danny Dimes. Like to see. I'm so hopeful that he can he can pull it together. Um, maybe this, this Dolphins defense is so poor where we'll get something clicking. I could also see, you know, doing another one of those things where Doug doesn't really show much this week, but still gets by with the win. Um, kind of like a vanilla offense, what he did back in the Super Bowl year when we played the Raiders in week 17, didn't show much and drew up a completely new offense for the playoffs. Honestly, I could see it there. They said that we did this against the Jets. I don't know that for a fact, but I, I, I could see it again. I, honestly, I could to be, you know, complete opposite. Just let everything out, get confidence in person again, and let it happen. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned these adjustments, and I think that's what the Eagles do best. I mean, you look at how well the defense has been playing, and even though we're getting healthier, Schwartz has been adjusting mid-game, and even though he has struggled with that in the past, getting these players back is helping him, I think, even build his own confidence in making different defensive alignments as the games go on. Yeah, I mean, props to Jim Schwartz. He's done an unbelievable job in getting, you know, guys like Jalen Mills back. I guess LeBlanc was just reinstated today for the practice. So I think he's got 21 days before we either put him on IR or he's uh, eligible to play again. So getting those guys back, and, and Bradham was healthy again this week. He's a, he's a good force in the, in the as a linebacker there. It's not always the best to have Nathan Gary, who's a college safety to play linebacker a little bit undersized, but he's, he does make up for it on like the, the covering scheme as, as far as getting to a tight end. Um, and I'm really happy with the defense. Um, they've kept us in games, and, and technically, you know, in both this the Seattle game and the New England game, we were one score away in the fourth quarter from tying a game. And honestly, it felt like we were down by 35 points in each of those games. That's what our defense has been able to do, and I, I hope they can keep us there. I hope. Yeah, one can really hope that. I mean, after all these big plays you see from the defense, you really hope that this team still is one unit when you have one side just carrying you and the other just essentially being your detriment. I, I still have my faith in the defense that they'll be there. 
Um, I, I don't see them going. They're only going to get healthier, and I, I just think the confidence they have right now is not going anywhere. Um, it's not like we're playing the highest-scoring offenses in the league um, outside of Dallas, but, you know, we can draw up some plays, and I think Schwartz will, will have a good enough scheme to, to in the Dallas game that will be a little better than first. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I still trust them, and I'm excited to see what they come against here against the Dolphins. Hope we can blow them out. Um, it should be a big confidence win. Um, yeah, and – Moving forward past that even, look, we have the Dolphins. Should be an easy win. Then you have the Giants at home. Again, there's no reason why these games, exactly, these games should be a loss. Redskins on the road. You have Haskins, who was couldn't even be found because he's taking a selfie with the with a fan yeah, that they, they put in a backup quarterback because he, it was a, like a benching i saw <laughs> yeah that dallas game though we do have dallas at home but again when you're looking at dallas played i'd say just as well as we did against the patriots now granted it was low scoring more because in the it was in the rain not just because their defense was stellar because cowboys historically don't have the most stellar defense but they're definitely playing piece by piece with us, but do you wonder, does Dak right now have that advantage? Yeah, I he does, and I hate to say it. He's he's playing at a, a very high level. Um, can't count out Ezekiel Elliott just of how good he is and how much better he makes Dak. Um, and I think that's what hurt us in the first game, the fact that we couldn't stop the ground game. It just leads to wide-open receivers. The play action killed us. I think they had the two deep passes. Um in the first game that honestly it's, it's tough to fall, you know, the, the, the D backs because either they're cheating up because they think it's a run. Um, honestly, they get caught in single coverage. So, so yes, I, I would give Dallas the advantage. I, I hate to say it, but <laughs> it, it's, it's tough right now not to, but how bad yeah. our offense is. I, I, I just can't, yeah, I can't say the Eagles are a better team. No, I, I, I really can't either. It's just the only thing I think we have going for us that week is the fact that it, it is at home and we yep. and we are very good with home field advantage when we need it most. And then you have that last game against the Giants. Again, the Giants are dead dogs. Whatever pieces they have are not they're not playing as a as a single unit. They're not playing well together. It's not gonna end well for them. So I don't want to say it, but that's essentially a win. Sure. And, and hopefully, you know, looking back to the offensive side of the ball, um, probably a star, I guess you would say, of the week, because we didn't really have anyone, was, was Greg Ward. Um, he had a couple third down conversions. Um, it was only six receptions for 40 yards. Uh, typical Eagles receiver line, right? I mean, yeah. not much there, but um, obviously, you know, if a guy was with six receptions, they'd be at least – a couple over 15 to 20 yards, but no, they're what all uh, six, five yard little dumps to get us the first down, which, you know, he caught the ball. I'm happy because no one else has been catching the ball. Um, so I, I can't knock the guy for only having 40 yards since he did help Carson out and he actually got open. Um, I guess I'm excited to see what, what he can bring to the table. Uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful that Brandon Brooks <laughs> and Johnson can come back. Uh, obviously you need to solidify that right side. Of your line, but you know, yeah. he's a Dolphins. So it, honestly, depending on how they look at it, if if they need to sit another week to be healthy for the Giants, I'm okay with it. Um, what do you think? Uh, do you think they, <laughs> if they're questionable or how, how do you, I mean, I know your backs are against the wall at this point. Do you just let it go? Because it's tough when you get into playoff mode and every single game, 
from this point on is essentially a playoff game, kind of like last year. They got tired at the when they got to the point when they played uh, the Saints. Uh, you could just tell like the, the, every single week having to play so hard because, you know, you lose, you're out. It, it, it's tough. It's crazy. I'm going to use a big word right here, and I need to check if that's actually the right word. And I think that word is dichotomy. <laughs> and I think that it's basically telling me how different these t- this team has been from one year from the Super Bowl year until what two years later. Yep. It's just you see how when we won the Super Bowl, we won the Super Bowl with that next man up mentality. We had backups playing repeated snaps because there just weren't enough people and then you see last year and this year we're getting tired we're on the field too we have players on defense on the field too long and they're just getting out hustled and what has happened to this team and going back to your greg ward point i mean what city is better than philadelphia at turning mediocre receivers into superstars because of how awful our receiving cores are i mean sure. look at the jason avance the hank baskets the uh the paul turners of the world greg ward fits exactly in that category because he had a semi-decent game when every other receiver who should have stepped up did not and unfortunately i don't like greg ward because he has now made my jordan matthews jersey once again irrelevant <laughs> <laughs> how about that jordan matthews uh for those who aren't aware was was cut today. Uh, I can't name any other Philadelphia athletes that have been, I guess, either released or cut and come back three different times. Um, I don't know if you I know off the top of your head, but um, Jordan unless, Matthews is longer an eagle. <laughs> I guess Jeremiah, think, Jeremiah Trotter, right? Yes, Jeremiah yes. Trotter is a great one. Another example is if you count it, Furkan Korkmaz does get sent up, did get sent up and back to Delaware a great deal, but he still was on the team. <laughs> I guess if you want to count it for this sake, you could count for a Kyle Korkmaz, just because he's playing a little bit better than past years. For sure, for sure. All right, so let's get to a little bit of positive for the Eagles this week. We're going to end it here on, on the Eagles point. So we're, obviously, you know, we kind of hit it the nail on the head. We're, we're playing the Dolphins this week. They have the worst defense in the National Football League with 252 pass yards allowed per game, just under 150 rush yards allowed per game. And we'll see if Jordan Howard's in or not. If not, I still trust my, uh, Miles Sanders. See what um, I'm sorry the uh, um, running back can give us, and then they have 31 and a half points allowed per game. That, that's a big number. I don't think we're going to get to 31. I'd say maybe around 24, 27 is something. Maybe a defensive touchdown in there, you know, give us good field position on a turnover, lead to some points, but. Uh, those are some positives to look into this week. We're playing the worst defense in the NFL. We've got to get going. Um, if you want some confidence, this is the perfect time to do it. We're probably going to have nine, 80, 75, 80% Eagles fans down in Miami. I, I mean, I don't know many Miami, Miami Dolphins fans to begin with, so um, hopefully <laughs> we can take that stadium over. Um, I just can't see. It was almost like a home home game, like we went we back uh, in the Super Bowl year against the Chargers when we were out in L.A., um, we turn that into a home game. So th- that's also a, a, a big point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that home field advantage definitely helps. It's it's kind of funny. You look at any La- La Vegas lines. Now, obviously, we're just well favorites because the Dolphins are trash. But I could see that being an Eagles line just because they'll never, they never consider that uh, when they never consider a home 
a home fan base traveling sure. as big as Philadelphia does. That's the, yeah, I mean, uh, probably if not the best, one of you know uh, top three, I would say, um, one of the best traveling fan bases in the entire league. No matter where it's at, you're always going to have an Eagles Eagles conglomerate there, um, whether it's <laughs> tailgating or some type of, of group. They're going to be there. I know that there's there's a couple um, of fan groups that go down in, in big waves. So um, I expect nothing less this week, and I expect the, the Dolphins fans to kind of to not show up. Frankly, um, why would you go see a Dolphins game if you're in Miami, right? I mean, you have a lot of a lot of other stuff to do, kind of <laughs> like being a team in LA, like a lot to do except for go to uh, to a football game. So we're gonna end on that note. Um, we're gonna transition into our our first segment, um, kind of. Get it going here with you guys to so you gotta get a a feel for what it is. It's called Flags of the Week, and Alex and I have come up with three or with two, um, each of our favorite for this. So it's a white flag. It's essentially something that you you would give up on. Uh, we have a red flag, which is a violation, and then a checkered flag, which is our winner of the week. Uh, Alex, if you want to go ahead and uh, and kick us off here with our with our white flag. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So the white flag of the week that I have has to do with the protest of the Yale students at the Yale-Harvard game. And, I, I mean, I, you basically, he took what was going to be a senior day for your own for your own fellow students to, to honor all the hard work that they've done, all of them pretty much playing in their last game, home game. And... It, you, you kind of just shot your own school in the foot. I mean, you can protest climate change all you want, but what do you really expect people to do after this? I mean, I think that's just something I got to give up on. And I do have a close second, though. My GPS. I am completely tired of my GPS. And that is because every time I make a wrong turn on my way home from work, or even anywhere in the area of King of Prussia, it will automatically reroute me and to go past the mall and into mainland Norristown, which, as you know, is a very beautiful part of the city <laughs> with tons and tons of traffic to follow with it because everyone is trying to get into Norristown. <laughs> Hopefully tomorrow... You're able to uh, either work from home or not have to take that route because it's the worst traveling day. We hear it constantly. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and do a no comment on the the climate control. <laughs> I don't want to get too political on this show. So I'm, I'm just going to go into my point here. Um, I guess it's a little bit political, my point as well, too. So I'm uh, kind of being a hypocrite, but I'm going <laughs> to focus on, on the NCAA here um, and how they handled the James Wiseman situation. So if anyone's not familiar um, he was suspect. It's a, the center for Memphis, and he's, I guess, highly touted as a possible number one pick in the NBA draft this upcoming year. Um, I guess if you're not familiar with it, he also his coach Penny Hardaway tend to technically moved his family um, because they were in a, a poor area, a bad area, so they wanted to get him somewhere better. Um, and Cedarboy looked into it. I guess they claimed it was. Um, something against recruiting violations. I don't know specifically, but basically they made him pay a fine in a sport and in a college athlete where he doesn't make any money. I just don't understand it. It makes um, no sense at all. 
the kid is already poor, doesn't have money, and then they're going to f- make him pay almost $12,000. I mean, obviously, the boosters are going to pay it. He's not paying it. Um, but it just doesn't make any sense for us. You know, <laughs> college athletes can't make money, so where is he just going to afford this from? So, the I'm action up- definitely doesn't match the penalty by any means. No whatsoever. Um, it's almost like the Chase Jones as well from Ohio State. That's another story, but um, it seems to me like the NCAA needs to have like a common sense division. Like someone, like <laughs> this department to, to just come and be like, you know, I, I think you should do it this way. Because honestly, every decision they've made, it should have been the complete opposite. It, it seems like every single time this happens, they you, you expect them to go the wrong way almost every single time. And they constantly do it. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, Alex, you want to take us off to, to the red flag and our violations? All right. So my red flag now is this is uh – Another personal uh, personal anecdote, uh, whenever a cash – I'm at the Wawa, and a cashier opens up a new line, you see that one person running from out of nowhere to make sure that they're ahead of everyone else that was in the other line that's being opened up. Hate it. Now, <laughs> I, I just – where do people come from? It's like as if it's God telling them a sign saying, this is my way out. <laughs> don't think about anyone else this is my way out of here sooner than all of you it's just the most ton of it, tunnel vision thing i can possibly think of in daily life people got to know the unwritten rules of wawa so maybe they're not local that's the only thing i can think but <laughs> oh no they're definitely local i can tell you that much they, <laughs> they are they from are they from norristown you know what it, it, it seems to happen at every Wawa, but it seems like there's always someone from Norristown in my way. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to build off of my uh, my red flag here, my violation. Um, we're we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but just to to give everyone an idea, mine is uh, Joel Embiid scoring zero points in a National Basketball Association game. So um, honestly, in this day and age, I think that's very tough to not score a game uh, as a guy who's seven feet tall. Uh, obviously, you know, Marcus Hall played good defense, but zero points in a game, you know, I, I think it was very winnable. Uh, that's going to be my red flag of the week. Uh, I, I don't want to comment on it. Uh, there's, he could have been sick. He, there's so many excuses you m- can make for him. That I just, from him. Uh, yeah, well, but even other people do too, but that I, I can't even comment because it just seems like, such a one-off of a of a of a thing. Absolutely. So to kind of to say in the NBA, um, I do have I do have an honorable mention. Uh, Richard Jefferson is no longer in the NBA. I believe he's doing some uh, analyst work now. Uh, he said that the Knicks called him over the summer for a contract, and then after the game, the Knicks tweeted, "We had nothing to do with Richard Jefferson and never offered him a contract." So he then said it, it, that was true, and he actually wasn't, but now wants a contract from the Knicks. So either you could say he did a good job by trying to get the contract. Um, maybe he's trying to get back in the league, but for him to lie straight on the air like that to try to prove a point is, is kind of funny. I mean, usually it's the Knicks who are the ones that are putting their foots in their mouths. Like when they said that they, they were the ones who chose not to offer Kevin Durant a contract because of his injury. We all know that's not true. And traded away their franchise player. <laughs> exactly. But in this case, I have to side with the Knicks. You don't say that very often. And I don't think anyone ever does. I don't even think they one of the worst do. in golf sports. <laughs> I'd say probably uh, 
the Redskins owner, I can't, I can't think of a name off the top of my head. And then um, the Knicks owner could possibly be the two worst owners in sports. And oh. it's like year after year, they, they, uh, they have like a battle for who's, who's worse. Man, all, all the crap we used to talk on Jeffrey Lurie. Oh, man, the, the grass is definitely greener on our side. Absolutely. We are very <laughs> fortunate to have uh, Jeffrey Lurie compared to those owners. Uh, now we're going to lead into our winner of the week, some more, some more positive here. Um, I'm going to go with, with Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football. Um, currently, probably the, the lead to get the, the MVP for this season. Um, he's taken the league by storm, had five touchdowns last night. Um, he was great. I mean, there's not much to say. He just completely picked apart the Rams defense, a defense that we thought was pretty good. Um, just some stats here for you. I'll read them off quickly. You guys can hear about uh, how good he actually has been this year. Um, he was the first football player with five touchdown passes in a Monday Night Football debut. He was the youngest player to, with multiple games of five touchdown passes in NFL history. The first player in NFL history with four touchdown passes in at least 50 yards rushing in consecutive games. Uh, and he was the first player with at least 3,000 passing yards and 1,500 rushing yards over his first two seasons in NFL history. The guy's good. I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be tough to stop him. And honestly, I think the only guy that probably has the formula is maybe Bill Belichick. Maybe. And I don't know, you know for a fact if he does, but if I had to, to pick out one coach, it's probably Belichick. Uh, seeing that game in the playoffs, that's going to – that's that's a game I'm definitely tuning oh, into. Oh, I expect them to, to to square off. Um, I think that's going to be an awesome game, kind of like la- like last year's uh, with Mahomes and, and the Patriots. That was an awesome game. I expect nothing less this year. With I assume it's going to be the Ravens. I think they're a good team. I think I, they would. I think so too. It's just the thing is, is that the Ravens play a, such a completely different type of game than the Patriots. And I know this is what we've been saying about any team that has played them, the, the Chiefs, the Jaguars, when they played the Patriots in the playoffs in the years. But this team has really just run so much differently. Harbaugh has essentially rebranded himself after being almost potentially fired. He's almost fired like five times, too. <laughs> I mean, as opposed to his, bro- his brother, who just couldn't seem to catch a break in the NFL, he's... Lamar Jackson's the best break that you could possibly catch. Absolutely, yeah. He almost like fell into their lap there in the draft. And I don't quote me on this, but I believe the Eagles actually traded away that pick. I will quote you on that. That Lamar is 100% true. <laughs> a, trade, a trade did occur. Uh, and I think we drafted Goddard, potentially. I believe we did, yes. I believe yes. it was Dallas Goddard. We took I mean, he hasn't played bad. It's, no, I mean, he has. He has. He yeah. has I'm okay with it. You know, you didn't know Lamar Jackson. You know, was sitting there uh, into the first round and was going to be, become this. And not saying you're going to draft a quarterback either because you have Carson Wentz. Um, so it made sense for us to do what we did. In hindsight, you're looking back. Oh, we could have Lamar, but that's not how you look at it in, when you're when you're doing the draft right now. Yeah, and especially when you're looking at the draft. I mean, think about it. every year there is one quarterback who falls pretty much to basically further than maybe some people would expect them to fall. So you had, or maybe not fall, but there's always that end of the first round pick where you there's such a wild card of a quarterback. I mean, look, you have Tebow, you have Manziel, you have Brady Quinn, Matt Leinart fell to the teens. Um, and then these quarterbacks just, they don't pan out. And then you see a guy like Lamar Jackson just, 
come out of nowhere to be the best player. I mean, the only other quarterback I can think of that off the top of my head that had greatly fallen was Aaron Rodgers, and everyone knew he should have been the first overall pick that year anyway. Right, right. Yeah, and honestly, if you want to talk about, like, guys who haven't worked out in the past couple years, do you include Jared Goff? Um, do you include Baker Mayfield? Do you include those guys? Oh, do you uh, include Carson Wentz? I didn't want to say it, but, <laughs> but uh, hey, he did help us get a Super Bowl, right? We're not. One we thing have, we have, have a Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. That's one thing we have is a Super Bowl as opposed to anyone else. You're right in that situation. You're right. Uh, so my my checkered flag winner of the week. I'm going to go three for three, non-sports. Well, I guess technically the first one was, but Elon Musk. Now, hear me out. Despite how poorly that new Tesla truck was received by the public, the guy still gets 200,000 people to pre-order it within its first three days. No matter what this guy puts out there, whether it's a a random baseball hat or a flamethrower. I kid you not. Both of those are things he has sold out. People will buy it, which just makes him much more of a winner than I ever will be. Sure. Even at his low point. point. Yeah. It's almost like fool's gold sometimes. Or, <laughs> uh, you know, you saw, you watched the, uh, the show when they were introducing the truck and they broke the glass on both windows. And you were like, who, who the hell is going to buy this yet? 200,000 people are still looking for it. So it's, um, I'm probably in the minority as well. I actually think it's a pretty cool looking truck. Um, I don't know if you saw as well. They had like a, a test against Ford and it, and it won. And yes, no, I, I, I did see that. It's like, you know, it reminded me of, do you remember, uh, you're, you're a Simpsons fan, right? Yes. Uh, did you ever see the episode The Car Built for Homer, where Homer, it was like his bro- his long-lost brother is a billionaire car whatever, or car mogul, wanted, was so excited to meet Homer that he built a car, that he wanted to have a car dedicated to him. Yes. So Homer b- designs the entire car, and it just makes the guy go broke overnight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's what Hopefully I felt that car <laughs> Yes, I do remember this. Yes. Um, honestly, it seems like everything he attempts to do is always going to work out because he just has a huge following. Um, obviously, Tesla hasn't done the best uh, with their you know, little, I guess, cars being on fire and people not finding charging stations. But he honestly seems to find a way no matter what it is. Uh, and what I would do just for a day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to end it right there. I'll recap everything for you for our flags of the week. Um, I'll start off with the the white flag. So mine, again, was how the NCAA handled James Wiseman. Alex went with um, the Yale-Harvard football game and the climate change protesters. My red flag of the week, my violation was Joel Embiid not having a point in an NBA game. Uh, Alex went with the the person at Wildlock <laughs> who was trying to run to the line as soon as it opens, even though knowingly that he's cutting in front of people because he has to go. And then lastly, our checkered flag, our winners of the week, Alex went with Elon Musk and his new Tesla truck. Uh, I went with Lamar Jackson, uh, unbelievable quarterback right now, possibly NFL's MVP. 
So we're going to break it right there. We appreciate you guys listening along. Hang on. We'll be coming back in a little bit with some uh, topics on the Sixers. So, so stay right there. We'll see you guys on the other side. And welcome back to the WizWiff podcast with me and Matt. Matt, how are you feeling about them Sixers after all this? You know what? I'm trying not to think of it like it's an Eagles game where all 16 games matter. Um, I do my best not to do that, but it's tough when I, when I'm we've been through the process. We're here now. We have a good team, and they kind of break our hearts. Um, I know it's only one game. I know it was it was the Raptors who you know they were without Lowry, but I still think they're actually a pretty good team despite not having Kawhi as well. Uh, clearly, Marcus Gasol played some good defense on Joel Embiid. Uh, I, I Talked about the point a little bit earlier. Joel Embiid, you cannot go scoreless in an NBA game. It just can't happen. Um, I, frankly, I don't think he gets enough slack. Uh, Alex, what do you think? Oh, boy, man. The, these games, when we lose, it's it's not that we lose and it's a, and it's a hard-fought game. Nothing you can do about it. It's... We're in it in every one of these losses, pretty much, or we at least should be if it's against a bad team. But the Toronto game really, really stung because you just have seen spurts of times when this team just becomes completely unclutch. I'm going to leave out the aforementioned Embiid in this one. You have J- you have uh, Josh Richardson missing three straight free throws. He is our leader in free throw percentage with 86 going into last night and he went and he basically to put it in perspective where everyone would understand it basically the Raptors fans would have acquired not only a small frosty but a small fry as well off of that (laughs) one set of free throws but possibly the best uh, marketing ploy that we've seen (laughs) <laughs> for sure the wendy's freeze out is loved by everyone even outside philly <laughs> so uh to kind of i know you said you didn't want to get into it as much as is Embiid not playing what well on the stretch um but i have to ask you the question joel Embiid being out of shape is he hurting us at, you know in those clutch moments at the end of the game in the fourth quarter because he's either not playing defense he's not getting down the court on offense He's just saying it's the three-point line. Is, is he uh, honestly a liability in late games at this point? No, and I know you want me to say yes to this. <laughs> I know you definitely want me to say yes to this. But the fact of the matter is, is in games we lose, we tend to look further into the microscope. You know, we try to find everything that's there. But in reality, he is just as clutch as he is unclutch, which now I'm not necessarily saying that is good by any means because Embiid was potentially going to be, or at least thought to be an MVP candidate this year. And just don't think he can be, you know, he still, he still can be. I mean, there's plenty of games to be played. It's, it's not like, I mean, we'd be, if this was, if this was the NFL, the season would be over, but Luckily, we have 82 games, and Embiid is definitely helpful. I mean, look at those stretches where in games that we've won, when we beat the Celtics in the opener, when we beat the Heat uh, just the other night, Embiid played a very big part in these games. And in all honesty, 
you can't say that he's completely unclutched when he's also showing up in games where we're just absolutely dominating. It's just very unfortunate to see these extreme swings in his performance. He needs to at least level out those um those bad nights or at least find a ways to adapt when he he is finding himself fatigued and not just catching the ball attempting to shoot. It seems that even with it's it seems that he loses focus even when his skill isn't there when you need to use your focus the most. So then let me ask you this is is Brett Brown the issue? I I think Brett Brown definitely contributes to it. I mean, Brett Brown is seeing the game that everyone else is seeing. If Embiid isn't performing, it's not like we have Greg Monroe on the floor in place of Embiid or Boban, who is a one-trick pony. We now have guys like Horford who can essentially replace Embiid in almost any situation, as he's shown. And Horford has potentially been one of the one of the few bright spots on this team in the slow start that we've had. And I know we're in the playoff race, but that's still f- way below expectations. Despite all else, like uh, of what Al Horford brings to the table, I was really excited to have him work with him and kind of be a mentor considering his age and how long he's been able to, you know, be a big man in the league and in constant pound on, on his, on his, body you know banging with guys every single night in the paint um i really hope that mb can be like a sponge at this point in his career and learn from al horford when we have him um it could possibly prolong his career you know maybe he he conditions better with al because honestly horford's in great shape for for his age yeah um, it's incredible he looks he a great job he's like he's in his 20s he does um or I'm, no, I'm sorry, really his, happy. His, his early 20s i meant I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited what uh, about, about what Al Horford brings to the table. Um, could not be more thrilled with him, and uh, defensively, he's great. Um, and that's where I kind of have my issues with with Embiid uh, on the defensive side, almost because it just seems like he just doesn't try. Um, and Horford's out there, you know, talking and getting his hands in, in passes, uh, doing as much as he can. And I just see Embiid constantly just at the bottom of the paint letting a guard get screened obviously this could be coaching I, I don't know for sure um just doesn't seem like he gives much help um, i don't know everyone kind of say like he's so good at defense um honestly he gets a lot of rebounds that aren't very much contested um he, he blocks he does block shots but then again he you know he's seven feet tall so um what guy isn't going to block a guy who's almost you know half his height a guard coming in the lane um maybe i'm overthinking this um I don't know. I think I think so. I I think so. It's and it's just like I said, it's because had you swapped these the uh, Toronto games game with the Miami game, I think this would be a completely different conversation. I think it's it kind of is how we said it's if when the Eagles lose, it affects the whole city. Well, when the Sixers lose, that until their next win. It's affecting us, and that's where I think this this mentality is where I think we we are a little hard on Embiid. Now, granted, no excuse for his game. He could have been sick. He could have had the flu. He could have been on the verge of getting an of getting a leg amputated. He still should be scoring at least one or two points that, or at least ten points that game. I should Listen, say. Listen, I, I know that the NBA, at least in the regular season, we don't talk about how. There's no defense, right? It's always the knack that the NBA will get compared 
than college basketball. College basketball, for 40 minutes, they're grinding away on defense. NBA, not so much. Um, that's just kind of why I was a little bit frustrated. How do you not have, like you said, 10 points? Um, you know, I mean, even his free throws, he lost. Uh, sorry, he missed three free throws. Um, I do get frustrated when he takes three pointers. Um, then again, he is a 25, 20 to 25%, I believe he's around. Um, I wish he would get in the pain a little bit more. Uh, I think that's more coaching, though, as you I, said. I agree. I, I was about to say, that could, be the off, that could be the offense that Brett Brown is running. I don't know that for a fact. So um, a lot of assumptions on my end, uh, that's just how I, I, I perceive it. Now, I'd like to just turn the page and talk a little bit more about Ben Simmons. Now, I know you're a very big fan of Ben Simmons, but there still are times where he looks like he's still a rookie. Now, I don't know. Now, there's some mistakes that he made. For example, that missed pass to Tobias that was essentially potentially the end of the was potentially the, is essentially the end of the game for us. But then you see that you or sorry that you say that. Embiid puts little effort, but then you see a lackadaisical pass like that. What are your thoughts on Simmons? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge Ben Simmons guy, um, and, and for all the slack that people give him, I, I will fight it until <laughs> the day I die. Ben Simmons is a good basketball player. He's honestly the best all-around, best basketball player on the team, I believe, just because he does he does everything. Uh, that's just my point. Uh, he obviously, his seven turnovers are are not good. Um, and you can't have that late turnover in the game to bias. But in the end, he almost had a triple-double. He had 14 assists. He probably could have had more, had guys made some open shots. Um, just to kind of give you a stat from, from the game um, with Siakam, when he was defended by Simmons, Siakam that is, he had five points and he was two of six. When he was defended by anyone not named Ben Simmons, he had 18 points and he was seven of 13. So that's what Ben brings to the table. Honestly, he's in there in the passing lanes nonstop. Uh, I think he's third in the league in deflections per game. Um, obviously not a stat that sticks out, but you never know. It's very important. It is. I mean, you are right. The defense for Simmons is something we definitely overlook, especially when it's just it's mirrored by his glaringly obvious shooting troubles. 100%. And I know a lot of people are, they're never going to stop saying it. Ben, shoot. I don't know what your take is. Do you, do you want him shooting 15 uh, times a game or would you rather? Him I want him over? shooting. I don't, I want to say 15. 15 is, is excessive. I would like it to be five to 10. I would like it to be enough where he's getting comfortable with taking a shot and maybe they can sink, but more importantly to bring defenders up on him because as we know, Simmons is very fast. Simmons can get past anyone, whether it's his size or even a guard size, because that's what makes him so uh, such a pure talent. But the problem is now, and it goes back to what you were saying with defensive backs cheating on their wide receivers, it's everyone's cheating on Simmons. They're playing him back because they know that shot is not going up. Even whether he misses or makes it, they're, whether he misses or makes it, they're still going to have to play on him. But the fact that he doesn't even take it shows that they can play more by the rim which would prevent him, and I think that's giving him the yip sometimes. If you see, he picks up his dribble rather than driving to the hoop and finishing, even he does, though it he does pass in the jump a lot. 
He does. It's and you, we all know that. I'd say what sixty to seventy-five percent of those players that are on him that are cheating on him, he can he can posterize any of them. He, he can yes. Most of the time he's covered by a guard, or exactly. in some cases like the the Heat game, Jimmy Butler covered him. I mean. That that's it. That should tell you right away how much you know. Jimmy Butler is probably one of the top five defenders in the league, maybe, and he's covering Ben Simmons. I mean, he could have covered Tobias, who probably is more of a scoring threat, but no, he was on Ben, right? I mean, that should tell you something. That you know, it does. I know a lot of a lot of other teams try to, or a lot of. I wouldn't say teams. Sorry, I meant. I should say a lot of other. I guess fans, Sixers fans, teams around the league say that. You know, we don't have to worry about Ben Simmons. He's not going to score. He's not going to do this. Yet you're putting their best defenders on him. So clearly the teams are telling you he's going to play or not the fans or anyone else saying you know, he can't shoot this and that. Um, I, would like, I don't know how to off the top of my head, but I, I would assume um, he's probably shooting just under 10 times per game, maybe. Um, I mean, if you look back at the, the definition of a point guard, can you give that to me? What do you think it is? Sorry, what was that question? I'm a little lost there. <laughs> what What do you think the definition of a point guard is in the NBA? Well, a true a true point guard. Well, in my opinion, a true point guard, I'll say even in today's game, is one who facilitates, one who can guide the offense, but then can still step up and finish at, as a scorer, whether it's through a three-point or a good mid-range jump shot or being able to drive. And I think that's where the problem is now. A lot of people, a lot of people in today's game, are shooting the three or the mid-range, and Simmons is the one who's just purely driving. The problem is, though, is the picking up of the dribbles where I have. So, do you think this is like the the new age point guard essentially, and he's almost like uh, an old school then? I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's your first two of... points. You said facilitate and run the offense. He doesn't. Oh, right? very much. That's very old, much. That's old school. That's what you want a point guard to do. You want him to find the open shooters, which he does. And this new age point guard, your, I don't know, your Russell Westbrooks, your James Harden, your John Morant, those guys, they're looking to shoot first. That's that's a new age point guard. Completely different than what Ben Simmons is. Ben Simmons is a, a clearly old school looking to pass first. And I think that's why he's getting such a bad rap. Because you see so many other guys in the league, like Harden, scoring 45 points a night or 40 points, and he's a point guard. I, and I get and I get that completely. It's just when you think about it, though, is we know that Simmons does have this ability to score if he were to try, right? I mean, we we all know that Simmons isn't what was it that Simmons was rated a 45 th- uh, rating in NBA 2K as a three point shooter. We all know he's better than that, and I think he even knows he's better than that, and that's why I think we want to still see him explore his potential and to see if he actually can and see what he actually can do. Sure. Sure. It's a long season. I know we are cutting into uh, our two main guys just to, uh, to kind of change it up a bit. Are you, have you been satisfied with Josh Richardson? Have you been satisfied with, with Tobias? Uh, what are your thoughts on them? What's crazy is, and what makes this team so great, is we have so much star power that even when one doesn't show up like Embiid, you still have the rest of the team that can carry it. I mean, we had Embiid at zero points. We almost beat 
and and arguably very well should have beat the Raptors. And that just shows you how powerful this team is because of these supplemental players that we have. The, the uh, Horford, who is able to take control of the big man when Embiid isn't there or if he's on the bench. When you have Tobias Harris, who is, even though has been streaky, now allegedly he was sick, but is making these knockdown shots as we need it and is playing better defense than last year because he's now playing the three rather than the four. And then Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson, I stand by him being one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I mean, defensively, he is a machine. Now, I (laughs) – What? He gets after it on the defensive side. Oh, he gets after it. That's for sure. He – and he also can shoot. I mean, he was showing some good signs of shooting in the past few games. It's and now I know I rag on him for those three he missed um, for those three missed free throws. But in the end, he's still even that after that our best free throw shooter. And that's something we needed, even with especially with the loss of Redick. So I'm I'm a big big fan of Josh Richardson. I, I think he's could be the key to you know taking us from a second round exit to someone or a team that could be in the finals just because he brings that much um i'm a huge fan i honestly i can't say it enough um when his contract is up this is probably i know it's a couple years away can you see him staying with us i know we're gonna have a lot of money and a lot of guys would he be someone honestly he if he continues to play where maybe he's scoring 20 points a game and his defense is stellar, is he close to a max? Oh, I don't think he's close to a max just because of how undervalued he is. And even if he does score, he still gets he still gets overshadowed. I mean, he was score averaging, what, like almost 15 points a game in, uh, in Miami? And I think he would still fall below that $20 million a year contract. Uh, if he were a free agent today, so honestly, I have I I don't I can't say he'd be close to a max, but he probably wouldn't be too far off from Tobias Harris money, which is probably the tier below max. And what I think the Sixers hope is is that a guy like Matisse Thybul, uh, if I said that right, uh, can perfect his jump shot and then be that be that jump shot that to be that defensive threat with a supplemental jump shot or if a guy like Furkan can build his defensive skill and be an offensive an offensive uh, shot creator with a supplemental defense and I think they're hoping that one or the other occur within the next year and a half just in case they're not able to, to keep Richardson because we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of near max we have maxes and near max deals in our starting lineup alone so it's just going to be tough to it's a tough team to maintain in general sure and i think that's where a lot of these super teams eventually kind of taper off and you see them fall apart when you don't have enough money to sign all all these good players um it happens and i I think every team goes through it but yeah right you're right you got to draft well you got to develop guys they hope that you have someone to fill that gap when you know you don't have a choice but to let him go just because you can't afford it, especially with, with, the, with the cap in the NBA. It's different from other sports. Um, and I guess the ownership not willing to either to go over that cap, depending on what it is, get that tax. Um, it, it's going to be tough what happens when he's up for, for a contract. 
And yeah, thankful. Thankfully, we still have him for a couple of years, as opposed to the end of this year. Right. So, but different story we've been talking about. Yeah, and you know, I just want to throw in some of these unsung heroes. I mean, Kyle O'Quinn has been filling in very well whenever we're taking we're taking out our centers. You look at Raul Nito. I didn't. I'm sorry, Hau. I think his name is pronounced. He's shooting threes better than I even imagined he he'd be able to. Mike Scott has continued his, his has continued his following. I'll say or deserving <laughs> <laughs> deserving his following in, from the previous year. The hive. <laughs> the hive. Oh man, that's 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 just how you know he belongs in Philadelphia. <laughs> The fact We're that he out. got he got more love after he fought Eagles fans in a Redskins jersey, you know he belongs. <laughs> you know he belongs for sure, and he, he's definitely taken over the uh, the old T, the old TJ bandwagon. So I'm gonna get to my last point here. I'm gonna ask you one more question. We'll get into our next segment. Uh, a lot of fans are talking about it. Are you okay with load management for Joel Embiid? I think I am okay. It is a, let's just say it is a short-term solution for a, it's a short, it's a, no, it's a long-term solution for an immediate problem. I mean, the immediate problem is that he's going to get, that he gets gassed in games. Just by playing, what, two games a week, that's not going to build up his endurance. And you want to prevent him from injury. I mean, realistically, this is what the NBA is, is it's the NBA, unlike Major League Baseball, is such an easy sport to make the playoffs in. That's why the regular season is so undervalued by by coaches, by players, because I mean, think about the Lakers. We already know they're a lock. It's not like in baseball or hockey where a team can get hot or cold and take over a team's spot. Yeah, I can't agree. I'm actually a, a big proponent of it. Um, <laughs> honestly, wow, that is they, that is the most shocking thing I think I've heard all night that that you are a big proponent of load, load management despite your criticism of Embiid. Well, I don't, I don't think. See, the thing is, I, there are two different things. Load management, yes, you can take games off, give him some rest to be, I guess you would say, healthy or I guess that's the right word for for down later in the road. Um, later down the road when you're you know playing in April or May I guess uh, there's a difference between that and him being in shape um, because what is he doing and when he when he's when he's taking off is he just actually sitting doing nothing or is he still conditioning practicing which he doesn't do and I, that's my issue <laughs> uh, but I, I'm okay with load management um, in the end Kawhi Leonard said by and have load management with the Raptors last year, uh, we wouldn't have won the finals. So uh, you look at a guy. Hive, I just know that. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to end it there with our Sixers point. All right, so now we're going to transition into our top five rankings, basically to, to I guess, be uh, a, a broad overview of, of what we're doing here. Alex and I are going to come up with a top five ranking each week of, of a certain topic. And this week we have decided to go with our favorite sports outside of the big four being the NBA, the NFL, NHL, and uh, why am I, and the MLB. Wow. Um, so those are our four. We're trying to, our five. We're trying to come up with outside of those four. Alex, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you take off. 
All right, so how about we go piece for piece right now? Let's start at five. My fifth one is going to be handball. Olympic handball rocks my socks. It's a fun sport to watch. Uh, I don't think America's going to get into it a whole lot, but it it is pretty fun to watch. Um, I kind of went on a a different angle here. Um, I'm going to go with the WWE uh, and wrestling. (laughs) Because I'm a fan of that. I grew up watching it when I was a kid. Uh, so I, I thought that's always uh, something uh, I, I thought was funny and I enjoy watching. I'm not going to open a can of worms with it. I'm just going to say yes and move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear number four then. All right, number four. I got another sport that shines during the Olympics, water polo, which is the handball of water. Fair point. They're they're both pretty cool sports that um, – Definitely different. Do you think you could uh, tread water for that long? I can't even swim. (laughs) All right, on that note, I'm just going to go into my number four here. Uh, I guess you could argue this may be the most popular sport in the country, technically, if we're talking about in terms of viewers. Um, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this on Twitter, probably. Um, I'm going to say NASCAR. Uh, I actually don't mind. I don't mind watching it. Um, it's kind of uh, enjoyable. And I guess more, maybe I can relax more when I watch it as opposed to trying to root for one of my favorite teams to, to win and it'll kill me in the end if, if they don't. But I'm going to go with NASCAR. All right, all right. Number three, I'll let you go with your number three now. I'll let you start these. Number three, I'm going to say uh, biking or cycling. I think watching the Tour de France is always pretty cool and there's the shape those guys have to be in to to do that is uh, pretty intriguing. So uh, I'm a big fan of cycling. Yeah, definitely, definitely. See, so my number three, I'm just going to go golf. You know what? People hate on it. They say, it's a, they say it's a boring sport. It is the most calming sport to both play and watch, even if you're just having it on the background. Maybe a little foreshadowing for me. I'll, uh, I'll head into my number two then. Um, probably a lot of sport that maybe – I don't know if you'll call it a sport, but I'm going to go with paintball. I think it's uh, it's pretty fun to play. I always enjoyed it. Get run around a little bit. Obviously, shooting people with with uh, with paintballs is fun. So it kind of gets your adrenaline going. I I think it's pretty cool. All right. So not unlike your number two, my number two is the biathlon, which combines the like skills of cross country skiing and rifle shooting. Now, whoever came up with that sport, just beyond me. How they go together, no clue. And you <laughs> but I love it. I like two opposites that may go together like that. Like, I just want to know who came up with that, and I thought that'd be a good idea. And oh, it's an <laughs> Olympic sport now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, you look at the, look at yeah. It sounds like something that belongs on ESPN eight the Ocho with competitive pizza tossing. Or uh, the juggle dodgeball. So if I could take away all my five and just put ESPN at the Ocho as my top five for each one, I might do that now. Like lawnmower, lawnmower racing. <laughs> you hinted to it. The uh, the dodgeball juggling, which is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I, <laughs> I guys are just Matt getting lit up with dodgeball. <laughs> I think Matt and I were actually live tweeting a 19 early 1990s rendition of the mini golf putt putt championships <laughs> yes <laughs> that's a very competitive sport 
I guess that'll lead into my number one. Uh, probably pretty obvious to some of our listeners. I'm going to go with golf. Um, the majors, I will sit down on my couch for four days um, and watch Thursday through Sunday, whenever they're on. Um, obviously, I'm at work. I can't watch it, but I'm just saying Saturday all day, Sunday. Um, I love watching the Masters. The U.S. Open is, is awesome. Uh, British Open, sometimes I'll get up early in the morning, honestly, to uh, catch a tee time. Maybe if it's Tiger or Rory playing, um, obviously, your PGA Championship. But now they switched the PGA to May, which is a little bit odd. Um, I still enjoy it, and I, I love the love the golf. Um, can't get it off. Hopefully, Tiger's back again. I, I think it'll be an uh, interesting season, and, and us, you know, the Masters is, is coming up. It'll, you'll hear that noise on ESPN shortly of, of the theme. And you're always like, oh, what the hell? This is around the corner. You ever know? It's, it's, it's right right around the corner. Yeah. So, mine, I'm going to take a much different approach. Volleyball. There are so many different variations to this. Beach volleyball. Well, not so many, but two very good differentiations. You have beach volleyball and then just gym volleyball. Oh, you can watch the men's sport. You can watch the women's sport. And, and everyone will have a good time. And it's just a fun game to play. I mean, your arms hurt like hell afterwards, or at least mine do. And you generally feel worse about yourself for being short like I do. But other than that, it's pretty great. You think you uh, you have a little bit of bias since Penn State volleyball was always so good when you were there? No comment. No comment. <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, I almost put fencing on this list, and that is a di- – Penn State fencing's a dynasty. <laughs> Um, all right, so you want to take us back through each of our top fives here, and if anyone wants to debate with us on Twitter, you can always tweet us uh, after the show after you listen to us. Our, our Twitter is at Wiz underscore Whiff. I'll spell it out for you. It's W-H-I-Z underscore W-H-I-F-F. Alex, take us off. All right, so Matt's top five start with WWE. Yeah, well, I went with Handball. Matt's number four was NASCAR, while I went with water polo. Matt's number three was biking or cycling, while mine was golf. Matt's number two was paintball, while I went with the winter biathlon. And Matt finished off his uh, his list with his number one golf, while mine was volleyball. All right, so with all that being said, now let's move on and start talking about the rest of the Philly sports that hopefully aren't as depressing as the Sixers or the Eagles. Matt, what are your thoughts on the Phillies? Maybe a little bit of positive news coming up from the Phillies today. Um, Take it for what it's worth. They signed Josh Harrison, a guy who can play all positions, um, first, second, third, shortstop, probably corner outfield. I wouldn't say center field as much, but uh, it's a minor league contract. So if it works, great. If it doesn't, you don't lose anything. Um, minor league spring training invite. So I'm excited to, to see. He's almost like a Brad Miller from last year. Uh, yeah, vet, I would uh, agree. Right? He's kind of, I would say he's like that. He is much better than Sean Rodriguez, and I think that alone is a positive. I don't want Sean Rodriguez ever named on this podcast again. <laughs> That's how much uh, we <laughs> <laughs> All right. So not only that, though, but what I really like with this move is it just shows that the Phillies are willing to get creative to fill holes. I mean, speaking of being creative to potentially fill some holes, we're looking at potentially bringing in Didi Gregorius, which is 
very good because he is a good power hitter, good fielder, and we might actually feel the need to move Gene Segura after only one year. Now, while I am a Segura fan, he definitely showed signs where he had lack of hustle or just couldn't get make a defensive play, even though he was always seen as being a defensive shortstop going into this year. So here's something I thought about when I saw the DD rumors. So you sign DD, you play him at short, so you could put Segura back at second base, which is actually his natural position and what he was brought up um, with Milwaukee as. And then you can put Kingery at third. If you don't like that, why don't you go ahead and put Kingery at second? You could put Segura at third. I think he could still play there. Um, Ultimately, if you don't like Segura anymore, I say you just trade him. Um, and here's a crazy trade, uh, something I, I had thought of. Uh, let me know your thoughts. It, it's kind of, all right. I guess, I guess wishful thinking. So, let's so here's all me. All right. So let's say you trade Segura and Jay Bruce to the Cubs, and in return, you take Chris Bryant and Jason Hayward. So you're gonna take, you're gonna almost entice the Cubs to trade Hayward to us, almost like a salary. Uh, we can keep Hayward. He's got four years left. I, it's not the best thing in the world, but to get Chris Bryant, I think I'd be willing to do it. Um, obviously, the fact that we're getting Bryant, we're gonna have to give up some prospects. I'm not top tier, but but okay to good, uh, a little bit above average. Obviously, you're not trading away Spencer Howard. You're not giving away Boehm. Um, I think I'd be okay with maybe Medina or Moniak um, and maybe one of the two and some other lower tier guys. What are your thoughts? So my thought is I don't think that the Cubs are going to do it. I think they're going to try to salvage what they have with David Ross in his first year and see what they can see what they can do with what they got before making any drastic moves, because I think they still have some time with Bryant before making any decisions if they want to move on. Uh, also Hayward has still shown flashes of potential. It's just, they need more of it. So I think they're hoping that David Ross is the last ditch effort in getting that. So I don't think the Cubs would accept that primarily because not because it's a good value trade for them, but more because they want to see what they truly have. I think that in my opinion, what the Phillies should do is, Segura at second, I think putting him at that position could just ruffle his feathers a little bit, just saying, hey, this this is my comfortable position. This is this can get me back in the groove that I like. And then you have DD at short. I think your third baseman should – I think you should either – I'm not saying give Franco one more chance, but I'm saying just hang on to him until Baum, we say Baum is officially ready, or just go right with Baum at third. I think Kingery, even though I'm not a big fan of him in the outfield, putting him in center solves a problem f- for now. Because we really I mean, right do, now we don't have a center fielder. We don't have we don't. one exactly. This you count easily, but it depends how much you trust him. It right. depends we, how much you trust him, but you also st- you also need to make sure that. Uh, that McCutcheon's good to go because Heasley might have to replace McCutcheon if anything else yep. goes wrong. Yep. Yep. So uh, leading into it, um, is there anyone else you think we should sign that you think could help the team? Obviously, starting pitching, we've been rumored with Baumgartner. Do you like him? 
I am not a fan of Bumgarner anymore. I think his best days are behind him, and I think that Arietta deal that we made is exactly the reason why we shouldn't sign Bumgarner because we thought we saw we saw a pitcher on a what we thought was a slight decline in Arietta signed him, and now we're stuck with him. And I think the same thing would happen with Bumgarner. He really had a poor showing of a year. I think Arietta getting back from his injury is going to look better than Bumgarner will this year, and I think that's a very bad sign because I can't. I don't think Arietta is going to be that good. I just think Bumgarner is going to continue to regress. Now, one name that I really do like, unfortunately, the whole league has checked in on him, is Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels, you know what you're getting. It's a lefty. It's another veteran presence in the locker room that at least a mature presence, unlike. Baumgartner, and I think that can help you at least bring the culture in. I think there's mutual interest, or no, there definitely seems to be mutual interest. I, I think just so really Yeah, I'd be happy with Hamels. Um, I'm hoping he'd be willing to take some type of, of hometown discount. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I, a name you didn't mention, also in free agency, I, I really like uh, is, is actually Zach Wheeler. I know people are going to say he's had injuries in the past. Uh, if you actually look into his numbers, they're actually really good. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of Zach Wheeler. I would be okay. I was maybe thinking somewhere in the realm of five years, 100 million, maybe maybe a little bit more, 110 million. I think he's gonna get. I think he's gonna get a little bit more. I think the issue with Wheeler that you're running into is we we are spending stupid money, but I really think that signing Wheeler would prevent us from signing another big arm that we would truly need now i think i think the strategy is go for strasburg or cole as much as you can i mean granted there are certain personal preferences that can keep you away from them but if you're spending quote-unquote stupid money why why stop now why stop at the one thing that you know is holding you back from from potentially making the playoffs. I mean, I understand getting a guy like Rendon would be great, but we all know that the replacement value of a top-tier starting pitcher will do more wonders for this team than any big batter that we could get. And if you think about it, who was our rotation at the end of the year, right? I mean, outside of Nola, Um, Smiley, Jason Vargas, right? No, boy, I already forgot about all of them. I really (laughs) did. I, I was guess, high on half of those guys too. That's, Velasquez, that's bad. Veda, like there, there's guys in there you would hope that would take the next step. That I'm still not completely done with. Like I still think I, I'm actually excited to see what price the new pitching coach can do with Velasquez and and Pavetta. Um, their stuff is just so electric. I, I just can't give up on them. Uh, I think that I'm. I'm Actually, I'm willing to give him another shot. I know I keep saying it. it's almost like the Zach Ertz oh, breakout. No. How, many years, how many years did we give Zach Ertz to break out? He did break. Five? We did give him years. That is um, true. We did so, give him years. Uh, maybe, maybe this is maybe this is the Nick Pavetta breakout year. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I think we should end it there with the Phillies. We'll, we'll keep talking about them. Maybe a little hot stove around the winter meetings. Hopefully something can get done. Um, Going to transition shortly. Do a little stint here on the Flyers. Um, surprisingly, I, I'd say in 2019 so far. Maybe they're the best team. Um, they're exceeding expectations at the moment. Um, obviously, Car- uh, Carter Hart right now, 
playing very well, and in my opinion, although his numbers may say a little bit otherwise, um, he's kept us in games. Um, his, his saves that you don't think he's going to get to are there. Uh, the Couturier, Lindblom, Connect Me, that line that was together at the beginning of the year just broke up a little bit, but they played outstanding together. I was a huge fan of them, um, especially a guy like uh, Lindblom, who in the beginning of the year we probably thought he was still going to progress now he's essentially made himself a, a good player in this league already. I believe he's 23 years old, so that's very exciting to see. Obviously, on the veteran end, um, if, if guys like Voracek, who you're paying a lot of money to, guys like Hayes and JVR all make, make very um, high AAV right now, um, if they could step up a little bit, I, I think this team could actually be pretty good. Considering some of the coaches um, of other teams have said the Flyers probably have one of the best you know, three lines in the league as, as far as being all around. Um, so it's exciting to see, and, and Vigneault has gotten on them a little bit. Um, that's just kind of the breakdown of the Flyers right now. Um, one other thing to note, Morgan Frost was just brought up. Um, him and Joel Farabee, the other guy brought up about a couple weeks ago. Two young guys, I believe Frost is 20 and Farabee's 21, um, making huge impacts right now to a team that desperately needed it at a time where they were faltering a little bit. Um, very excited to see what Morgan Frost can bring to the table. He already had a game where he's been playing really well at Giroux, and now he's on the line with Connecting. So those two guys, still really excited about. Um, we'll keep going with the Flyers. I, I think that they have a chance, actually, to win in the first round this year. Um, if, I, oh, <laughs> if I said any of the probably would have said no. Um, I think they can get out of the first round. Um, and I'm still really excited to see what these young guys can do. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. They're becoming a fun team to watch again, and that's all I really care out of taking out of the Flyers. <laughs> I guess most of the cities like that. Yes, if they're fun to watch, um, and they get to the playoffs, people will, will join in. Um, sure. One last point: if you want to get to the, around the Philly sports scene, um, go into your alma mater, go into Penn State. Oh, there you go. I am going to go talk about Penn State. Now, I know that Penn State is not based in Philadelphia, but they are arguably the most popular college sports team of Philadelphia. So Penn State lost this weekend to Ohio State after making a comeback that just fell a little bit short. Um, At this point, we're hoping for a New Year's Six Bowl Bowl game. Penn State has Rutgers to play this week. Should be a very easy win. And with no Big Ten championship coming to us, I think that should at least keep us relatively stable within the top ten. Uh, but hey, at least Penn State basketball is still undefeated. <laughs> hey, if you look at it this way, um, there weren't many teams that were close to actually Ohio State at the end of games, right? It's very true. It is very true. And you're all the and you're on the road, so I'm just hoping that when all is said and done, that the, the committee. <laughs> committee will definitely put that in our favor. That yep. loss to Minnesota didn't help us, but we'll just have to see how it goes moving forward. Sure, sure. All right. And so that'll bring that me uh, is... the weekly roundup for our Philadelphia sports here. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back with uh, Alex's favorite segment, the Philly Foodie Rank. So we'll be back shortly. Welcome back to the Wiz With podcast with me and Matt. So now for the Philly Foodie Rank. So this is a segment where I'm going to pick a different iconic food of 
Philadelphia each week, and I'm going to continue to update my rankings for where each thing lands. Now, just a couple rules here that anything that is a Philly staple can be located within the Philly area. And now I will determine if it is considered Philly area or not. For example, I don't consider Wilmington part of the Philadelphia area, but I do consider something like Delco or parts of Monco part of the Philadelphia area. And then I'm also going to be excluding fancy sit-down restaurants such as Zahav because Zahav is the number one restaurant in America right now, and I don't think that's really fair to the local staples. So my three to start this week, we have Takanelli's, Fitzwater Street Bagels, and Gino's Steaks. So for Takanelli's, it has a four-and-a-half-star rating on Google Review. So in my opinion, I think it's a very good pizza slice. Very thin and crunchy. You have to actually pre-order your pizza before you get there, or at least they recommend that you do so. And I highly recommend you have to get the white pizza with the tomatoes and spinach. I think that's their specialty, or at least that's what was recommended to us. But oddly enough, it's apparently a BYOS situation, a bring-your-own-salad. I kid you not, when me and my friends went there, there this week, every single other person had their own salad brought from home. And but why? It doesn't even say to do that. So overall, I I recommend the place. I think it's very well, it's very well put together, that pie. Except the one issue I had is the standard pie. The red sauce is a little too sweet. So take that for what is, but... The white pizza is out of this world. Next, we have Fitzwater Street Bagels. It's a 4.1 star on Google Review. It is also Zagat rated, and I have no idea how this is Zagat rated. It is the most generic bagel I think I've ever had in my life. I think my local Manhattan bagel, and I'm not even a chain person, puts a better bagel quality than them. It's very, it's granted, it's good. It's, just, it's very fluffy with no crunch. So, again, a generic bagel. And lastly, Gino Steaks. Gino Steaks gets a 3.9 stars on Google Review. In my opinion, I see what the hype is about for people not from Philly. But if you are from Philly and, and you think Gino's is the best cheesesteak, you should leave. There is no reason. <laughs> there is no reason why Gino's objectively is the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia. They give you now. Granted, I am a fan of the fact that they slice the meat because it comes out a lot cleaner. They give you too little meat. The cheese whiz tastes like something out of a jar, and I think there's a lot of better locations within a stone's throw that are also cheaper than Gino's as well they also have really fallen off they they've gotten rid of the whole attitude and now it's more of a customer experience type thing when ordering it's very friendly and i think that kind of help helps it lose its touch a little bit that being said it's still a good steak there's a reason why it's iconic it's it's good not great so to start the rankings i have 
Takanelli's as my number one so far. Geno Stakes coming in at number two, and Fitz Wall Street Bagel coming at number three. And so now I will push to you, Matt, with your picks of the week. Yeah, Alex, if you could go ahead and order me a Takanelli's pizza, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, sounds very good, <laughs> uh, and I hope to try it soon. I've actually never had it. I know there are a couple uh, pizza places you'll probably talk about in uh, future episodes, but uh, I'm really excited to, uh, to hopefully get a, a Takanelli's pizza sometime soon. I'm going to transition here into my picks of the week. Uh, these are locks. Alex, you're going to keep my record every single week. Hopefully I'm 5-0 and my first week. Uh, please don't give me too much hate on Twitter if I go 0-5 or 1-4. Uh, just going to start off here. These are not in any particular order. They're just five lines that I looked at early that I liked over the weekend. Um, I'm doing three NFL and I'm doing two college that could change up week by week. But that's uh, what I started with this week. So I'm going to say the Baltimore San Francisco game, I'm going to go over 46 and a half points right now. It could change. I like the way the offenses are playing. Um, my second pick is Carolina at home minus 10 against Washington. We all know how bad Washington is. Uh, Carolina actually had a good game last week. I actually like the way they're playing offense. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, possible MVP, up against Lamar Jackson. So uh, that's my, my pick, Carolina minus 10. My third one here, very surprising. You probably don't take them too often. I'm going to go with the New York Jets, minus 3.5 against Cincinnati in Cincinnati. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are a pretty bad team. Jets haven't played terrible, maybe. Uh, could be a little bit of a letdown game. I don't see that happening. Donald's playing well. I'm going to take the Jets minus three and a half. We're going to transition into college here. I'm going to actually go with Ole Miss plus two and a half at Mississippi State. Uh, big fan of uh, the Rebels here. Uh, I really like them. I would fade Mississippi State. I don't think they have a good head coach, Moorhead. Um, not a fan. Lastly, a game we talked about a little bit earlier, a, a team that you probably hate, and I know you definitely hate, I should say, uh, is Ohio State minus eight and a half at Michigan. Uh, Harbaugh has never beaten a top 10 team in his career at Michigan. I don't see Michigan being close. I think Ohio State is going to route them here. Um, big fan of Ohio State minus eight and a half. It could change. Uh, I do like Ohio State this weekend. I mean, if if I had to be honest, I would really wish both teams fell in a crater. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, All uh, right. You- Take care of Ohio State last week. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's tough break, tough break. So now we're going to end the show with some local stuff going on on this week. You know, what's going on in Philadelphia, anything to look forward to. So we'll start with the obvious one, the 6ABC 100th Thanksgiving Day Parade in the city. My lock pick uh, for the balloon, they are going to definitely have a Sonic the Hedgehog in honor of the Sonic movie. That is my pick. Just hopefully it is not the old one because, oh, my God, it is ugly. <laughs> Do you have a lock pick for the balloon? I don't. I'll have to get <laughs> I'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a, I don't really watch that a whole lot, so uh, I, I do not know. All right. Other things going on. There's high school football, Palooza. Uh, I mean, anywhere you look in any region, there's some kind of a football rivalry. That's always big. On that's always big. And also, Christmas Village at City Hall kicks off this week on Thanksgiving. It just had its soft opening this past weekend. Uh, looks like a good time. Actually, if you go on Groupon, you can get a brewer, a beer or wine tasting there for a very solid deal. And I might have to take the good old lady friend out there. Here at some point. I went to Christmas Village last year. Uh, it was pretty cool. So, yeah, if you get a chance to take uh, your lady friend there, I, I highly recommend it. For sure, for sure. 
All right, Matt, you want to tell us who's playing this week? Yep, so we talked about it a little bit earlier. The Eagles are playing at Miami this Sunday at 1. Can almost guarantee a win. We hope keep our season alive here. The Eagles have to get a win. The Flyers are going to play their annual Black Friday game against the Red Wings. And then the Sixers are going to end here uh, this week in the month with the Kings on the 27th. The Knicks and the Pacers the 29th and the 30th back-to-back. Probably a little bit of load management in there for Joel Embiid, right? Uh, let's let's hope that it's it's for the next game let's and not the Pacers the game. game. Yep, let's hope it's the next game. So that's what's happening this week. Hopefully a lot of wins. We don't want what happened earlier in the week with us with the Eagles losing and the Sixers with a heartbreaker. So hopefully a lot of wins there. Um, excited to see and talk to you next week and see what happens with the with the Eagles. Uh, hopefully the playoffs. Still looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully we're talking about a good uh, a good game against Miami. Definitely, definitely. Well, I'll, I'll let you wrap us up here. Yeah, we appreciate everyone listening to our first episode. Hopefully you can tune in next week, um, week by week. Give us give us what you think on Twitter. If you agree with us, if you disagree, tell us if we're stupid. If we're not, you know, tell us you agree with us. Um, I'll say it again. Our podcast um, on Twitter is at whiz underscore with. That's at w h i z underscore w-h-i-f-f make sure you give alex all the slack and not me um he wants to hear it all he wants to debate with you so thanks for listening guys we'll talk to you next week